When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. Chip Nellinger is with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Chip, how you doing, bud? Hey, doing well, Casey. We're finally talking uh, on a day there's some green on the screen, so it's been pretty depressing, but uh, we caught a good day, I guess, to, to yep. chat. Yep. So, we had the Kansas Wheat Quality Tour. Um, ended up yesterday getting everything kind of shut down and um come back with their final results and it is uh ranking as one of the worst crops projected to be one of the worst crops ever uh in the state of kansas uh 1963 was the last time that they had a projection of this bad right now um they have projected to be somewhere a statewide average of around 30 bushels an acre which is about 15 bushels an acre off of the uh uh average the five-year average so not a big shocker there. We've been talking about this for a while. Um, I don't know if we thought it was going to be this bad, but it is. Uh, it's ranking up there as a. Uh, uh, I guess one of the people I've talked to and talking with you and everything else that is kind of what we thought was going to happen. And maybe is it worse than we thought? Maybe, but more than likely, it's it's pretty much right in right in par with what we saw. So I guess Chip, your reaction to that to the wheat tour? 
Yeah, you know, and and just right on cue, you know, the wheat market, it marches to the beat of its own drummer. And we got that confirmation that kind of buy the rumor, sell the fact. Um, and wheat just has a huge puke led by the Kansas City market. So uh, I'm not sure that um, it's it's done going up, but, you know, it had about a dollar and 80 cent run straight up, literally straight up in the Kansas City contract. And so we got that information, 30 bushel or state uh, yield, probably confirming um you know one of the worst crops like you mentioned i think the thing that snuck out of that though is uh, not only the yield but they also there were some comments about um you know potentially abandoned acres so a lot of those fields they pegged at like five bushels four bushels and so will farmers even harvest that can they even harvest it some of the plants are so small um, and so there's going to be some abandonment. I think one of the numbers I saw was potentially up to like 22, 23% um, of the acreage. And so not only is it poor yield, but what's the total crop size going to be if there's a bunch of, um, you know, unharvested fields out there. And so it, it could end up being even worse than expected if there's a large abandonment out there. Uh, we'll have to wait, you know, a few weeks to kind of figure out um, what that may or may not be. but. Nonetheless, uh, a poor crop, I think it kind of solidified in everyone's minds, um, you know, that that rally in the Kansas City contract was probably warranted. And a lot of people trying to call a top in here on it, on the most bullish news. I don't know. You know, we haven't even harvested yet. And and there's going to be an issue getting, um, you know, high protein, high quality wheat. Um, And so... You know, it keeps corn in the mix. It's, it's, you know, it's something that's friendly, I think. And I still wouldn't be shocked. I've, I've said it for a while that you don't have to put a tin in front of Kansas City wheat for a little while uh, before it's said and done to kind of get the most bullish news digested and, you know, get uh, the demand rationed out of that thing. So uh, we'll see. It's, uh, it's a crazy volatile market. Uh, certainly. You wouldn't have expected a, a 60 cent break in wheat prices off of, you know, one of the most uh, bullish news items we've seen in a long, long time. But it came in about as expected, I think, and it was well anticipated. Uh, and, and now it's about, you know, let's get it harvested. Let's figure out what it really is yielding and how much uh, abandoned acres there's, there's going to be out there. You know, it doesn't stop at the at the Kansas Oklahoma line. It goes all into Oklahoma and and into the Panhandle of Texas too. So yeah. there's some awful rough looking wheat uh, fields out there this year. Yep, I was reading an article about the Oklahoma tour, and it was off about the same amount as as the Kansas was. They were, I want to say something like they were forty four point nine or forty nine point four. Can't remember exactly what it was bushels per acre, but. That was off about ten or fifteen bushels per acre on the five year average too, and, and same in the in the uh, the uh, Texas Panhandle as well, in West Texas down there where they're growing some wheat. So it's uh, going to be a rough year for wheat for sure. Yeah, and, and when you're looking at the total bushels that that are out there, and we're already on on the supply side, we're we're pretty low. And look at some places like Russia and and over there as well, where they're having they're off. I think aren't they off something like twenty five percent or something like that along those lines as as what they were the previous year. So. A lot of a lot of moving parts here. Then the Black Sea corridor deal came through um, the other day. I kind of threw some uh, cold water on the on the market as well. So geopolitically, looking at this, you know, with the Erdogan um, presidential runoff in in Turkey, and that's kind of 
I guess everything I read, that's kind of this glue that's holding that thing together. Um, if that doesn't work out for for him and in Turkey, there could be this two month. This could be the last two months of the Black Sea corridor. Um, as I have have a friendly place to go, I guess when you start looking at how that has been negotiated, um, you really kind of setting this up like you talked about last time we talked. It's just really kind of starting to set up that there could be some a pretty explosive upward movement in wheat just because of all the outside factors and geopolitical stuff going on. Yeah, for sure. And and <clears throat> I think one of the bigger things is that the the Southern Plains in the United States pretty well publicized now, but Canadian prairies have been very, yep. uh, very dry. I think they have got a little bit of rain, some rain in the forecast. Uh, you know, it just wouldn't take much of a flare up uh, in, in Canada, in Russia, um, you know, in, in China if, with their growing crop. And you've got a much different scenario. And the corn and the bean market acting like we just have record, um, you know, yields. Yeah. The May crop report um, probably set the stage for that. But it's just, you know, you can write anything on paper, right? 181 and a half bushel national average yield in corn and 52 bushels in beans. Uh, that's great to write it on paper and it's probably possible. But uh, we've never done that before. Um, you know, uh, the, our best crop ever in corn was about three bushels under what's on paper right now. But yeah. the market, you know, didn't take uh, much time to shed a lot of length. The funds were massive sellers in corn, massive sellers in beans. We pushed this market down to a level that arguably probably is where we should be if we have a 2.2 billion bushel corn crop and a 350 plus million bushel, uh, you know, bean carry out. But we're not there yet. We don't even have it all on the ground yet planted. So the point to your point, Casey, it just wouldn't take much of a flare up anywhere in the world or here this summer during the growing season. And we're going to scream these prices back higher and just, you know, kind of rip people's faces off with this volatility. Um, wheat has been an example of that, you know, a dollar and 80 cents straight up, uh, snap of a finger, 60 cent break, um, in less than two days. Yeah. And we're not done yet. And so this thing's going to get, um, to be a, a bumpy carnival ride and, uh, people probably before it's said and done are going to be screaming, let me, let me off of this ride. And right. if they're not already right, the downside yeah. volatility in corn and beans has been pretty gut wrenching. And, uh, but, uh, you know, to your point, it just takes a tiny little spark somewhere in the world over the next few months. And, we've got a much different, uh, much different scenario out there. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see and watch, especially when it came to the black sea thing, because when the Ukrainian, uh, Russian war kicked off, the expectation of wheat coming out of the black sea was zero and it never was zero. It, you know, they'd had plenty of, of cargoes coming in and out of there, but if they did shut it down and say, hey, we, we can no longer, there's no longer a corridor here and, and Russia sinks one, one one cargo ship someplace, all of a sudden the whole world is is uh going crazy and the price of wheat's through the roof. So it, it, and everything, corn and beans too. I mean, it, would, it wouldn't take much to to make that whole thing happen. So interesting. Exactly. Up. I think the whole Black Sea thing yeah. is, you know, <laughs> benefits Russia more than it oh, almost sure. benefits Ukraine. Yeah. At this stage, you know, what what isn't talked about a lot either with Ukraine is when the war started a um, year and a half ago. They had a lot of old crop supplies, and and so that is a is not a never ending 
supply. And then they planted half as much acreage as the previous year. And now they're going to plant this spring half as much as the previous year, which was half a crop to begin. So at a certain point here in the very near future, it doesn't matter if it's wide open, they're not going to have anything to export anyway because they didn't plant anything. Right. And I think that's a little bit lost uh, on the world right now that, you know, we're, oh, the Black Sea's open, the Black Sea's closed, the Black Sea's open, the Black Sea's closed. When it comes to Ukraine, it's not going to matter here in a few months because they don't have anything because they didn't get it planted. Yep. And and I think that's something that the market uh, is a little bit short-sighted on as well. Yeah, that's... uh. I've had that conversation with a couple of folks and they're like, Oh, well, the black sea things open. I'm like, well, that's great. I mean, open up your store. It's great. If you have nothing to sell, you don't making any money. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. Know, it it does allow Russia to get some stuff out. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, sneak some weed out, sneak some crude oil out. Um, but at a certain point, I think the world is like hanging on all this supply from Ukraine and, it's, I would say it's dwindling right. rapidly and it's not going to get rebuilt anytime soon. Yeah. They're looking at last thing I saw they're going to have. I mean, it's, it's been in the news too. And that's the part of it that I don't understand why it hasn't picked up either because the last two articles I read that were out, I think I read an article last week and then I read an article like Monday morning about, about world supply and those kind of things. They were talking like, you know, Ukraine's going to have 25 to 30% of what they had two years ago. Um, when the war kicked off and I'm like, wow, that's, that's a, that's a big number. When you start really thinking about how much that, how much grain's not going to show up um, out of, out of that area. So it'll be uh, these next couple months, you're just going to be in a, in a very uh, pivotal time, um, pivotal time, sorry, uh, with, with, with the way the markets play out and what they see happen. So you're going to be in an interesting time for sure. For to sure. say the least, it, uh, it, it changes rapidly and, all right, ship stock, jump over and talk a little bit about what's happening over the protein markets right now. You've seen hogs have a pretty good week. Um, on the cutout side, though, we've seen some some pressure come off of the of the of the cutouts there, and you're starting to see some of those prices come down a little bit. Uh, you look at feeder cattle, you look at um, live cattle, and they're just uh, their prices are are there. You saw a pretty good run up here earlier uh, in the week, or I guess the last couple of days, with the price of corn that, uh, over this week, how the price of corn has taken that hit. You've seen some uh, movement in on the livestock sector, especially on the cattle side too. So Chip, talk about what you see happening there and what are your thoughts? Yeah, the, the cattle side, um, you know, they've tried to break live cattle several times over the last week or 10 days and, uh, not much success. Every time they do even intraday, the market comes roaring back. You know, we've had this huge uh, sell-off in corn that's rocketed the feeder cattle market higher. And so there's some spread relationship there too, right? That, uh, you know, as these deferred feeders just scream higher, you've got what the August contract uh, in the two mid-230s, it was up over three bucks yesterday uh, on the feeders. And so, you know, to a certain extent, that's going to drive your your live cattle contract higher as well, or you're going to get this thing out of whack where it makes no money to feed cattle. And, and you know, that's the opposite that we kind of need to, uh, opposite signal that we kind of need to send to the industry right now um, because of all this liquidation that we've seen because of the drought. And so now it's going to get exaggerated, right? When there's been some rain around and we're going to start retaining heifers and tightening up that supply. So a lot of spread relationships there going on. So a lot of spread activity between live cattle and lean hogs as well. That's out 
to uh, if it's not the the widest spread it's ever been uh, with with cattle over hogs. It's very close, so there's a lot of uh, volume and and uh, speculative money in that in that trade as well. But the cattle complex to me looks like it's on good footing. Uh, and the break should be temporary. You're coming in here the next couple of weeks to where we normally have our seasonal low um, in in cash and cutout. The cutout started to rally just a little bit, and and the cash hasn't even really broke much. And, and so, you know, as you get deeper into summer here, I think things look fairly good. Uh, you're always going to be fighting, you know, the economy and can the consumer afford the high price beef? Are our jobs going to slow down? Are we going into recession? You're always going to fight that. But so far, uh, it looks like the beef market has held up uh, pretty well in the face of these these higher prices. It's about the exact opposite uh, in, in hogs, unfortunately. Um, just can't seem to get much going. It's it's getting to the time on the calendar where we normally see some higher prices into summer. Um, but something that's holding us back is this big premium that the deferred contracts have to where the lean index and the cash market is. And, you know, we've tried to rally a couple of times and then it just gets sold again because the premium's too big. So we just, uh, unfortunately, I think we need to get some more time off the calendar. When you turn it to June, we should start seeing um, cash and cutout slowly, um, slowly increase. There's a lot of nervousness now around this uh, uh, Proposition 12, I think it is, in California. Uh, I am certainly not smart enough to make, uh, you know, an, an educated uh, guess on what that means. But in a very short run, uh, because the industry in the rest of the country outside of California isn't compliant yet, there's some fear then in the very short run, it could lead to some sow liquidation. I don't know if you see that or not. I don't know how this will shake out. Uh, you know, it seems like the uh, inmates are running the asylum, but uh, it's not leaving the hog industry right now with a very cozy feeling. Um, whether that's warranted or not, I don't know. But that's, I think, part of what's holding back, um, you know, these rallies that we've seen. We've seen several attempts for hogs to rally in. You know, you think, okay, they're up two bucks, they're up three bucks. It's the start of a rally, and then they give it all back in 24 hours. So uh, I think there's a lot of things that work there. But hopefully, we get to June and July, we should start seeing some some better things and supplies tighten up and a better chance for a rally. Um, if we don't by mid-June, we've got much bigger problems in the hog market. So that's probably something, unfortunately, to, to watch out for. We yep. can't get a rally generated by you know, mid June, third week in June, got to scratch your head and say, is it going to come at all this year? Yeah. That proposition 12 in California is kind of a big deal. They try to pass something similar to that in California or Colorado here <clears throat> a couple of years ago, not to that extent where, you know, basically Colorado is kind of just paraphrasing here a little bit, but it's, it was basically uh, for every animal that you had um, cow or whatever it was, you had to have, indoor space for all those animals so if you had ten thousand cows you need to have a space for ten thousand cows inside of a building somewhere this prop 12 thing is kind of a big deal because if you don't if they don't follow the compliance then you can't sell your product and that's that's a big deal i mean if you they fall outside of whatever the the things are and you can't sell your cows you can't sell your pigs you can't sell your chickens and that's a that that's a big that's a big deal so that's it's a very big deal. And 
head scratcher. You know, we could do a yeah. whole podcast on uh, the insanity that is uh, spilling over the world uh, from a lot of different energy and food policy standpoints and the reasoning behind it. But uh, it's uh, it's a strange time. You know, you scratch your head and say, well, this is not rational. This, nobody could pass that. It doesn't even make sense. And it passes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it's and it's on purpose, and uh, somehow they get this stuff done. So it hasn't created enough um, anger uh, yet and common sense to stop it. But hopefully, it uh, it does soon. Yep, right on. All right, Chip. Good place to stop there, but if folks want to reach out to you and get more information right. about what you're doing over at Blue Reef Agri Marketing, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just call our office 309-550-7213. Uh, I would imagine uh, maybe the phone might ring uh, for some California area codes, maybe uh, after that tirade. But uh, yeah. you can Very reach good. out, call us, yell at me because you don't agree. Talk to us about uh, how you might be able to improve your risk management plan and and the uh, execution of that. Uh, we'd be happy to chat with you. Right on, Chip. But Chip, I appreciate you taking time to be on the podcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Always, Always fun. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Check out the video version of this over at the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Go to MovingIronLLC.com for everything Moving Iron related and get all the information from the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. All the information is there. If you need more information, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go some iron, folks. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century.